Hey, 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 and we are back with another power-packed episode of Hey, Queen, Thrive. Listen, you guys are amazing. Shout out to all my listeners out there. You guys are amazing with your support, with your feedback, with your liking and your sharing. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. But tune in today because we have another Power Pack episode. I get to sit down and chit-chat with one of my close friends who's also a licensed therapist and a mom. And we're going to talk a little about parenting in this new normal. We're going to talk a little bit about this virtual learning and some power and some tips on how to really navigate it. How do we navigate this whole virtual learning experience and the struggles that we are seeing with our children during this pandemic? So stay tuned because you don't want to miss this episode. All right, and we are back with another episode of Hey Queen Thrive. I am your host, your girl, Leah M. Forney. And today, this episode, we are talking about parenting in the new normal. I get to chop it up with one of my close friends, Asia Brooks. And so let's get into it. Hey, girl, what's going on with you? Hey, girl, hey. How's everything with you? Everything is everything. Just trying to adjust like everybody else and all the chaos that's going on in the world. Yes, yes. So tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. Like who is Asia Brooks? I am a mother of a teenager. And I think that says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I am also a school-based therapist. Right. I work with children and it is like a newfound passion of mine so I enjoy working with the kids very much and I don't know what else where do you reside oh yes of course um I live in Syracuse New York it's upstate New York you know some people say that's the country you know I don't have the accent like the you know the the city the The city city people yeah yeah So backstory, (laughs) backstory, Asia and I went to grad school together. So shout out to Capella University. So we were in the marriage and family therapy program together. So we've probably gone through all the struggles of a grad school student. And so that's kind of how we um, got connected. And so I was like thinking about who do I get on to talk about parenting? And then you have all these candid conversations offline Mm -hmm. that people don't know about because we both are clinicians. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get Asia on the podcast to talk about it. And so my, my first question for you is, in your opinion, what does it mean to be a queen that thrives? In my opinion, to be a queen that thrives means that you are capable of pretty much navigating, I wouldn't say almost any situation because a lot of situations are new where no person is equipped to handle it all, but just a, 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 a woman that is able to handle herself and adjust to almost any situation that is thrown at her, doesn't allow life and people, places and things to get the best of her. She knows how to you know, put her armor on and bounce back. I love it. Typical black woman. That's what that sounds Brilliant. like. Yep, yes. yes, typical black woman. So tell us a little bit about how you even got into mental health and, and doing this whole school-based therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say from, from a child, a very young child, probably not even grade, in grade school yet, I was always very observant 
And I was always curious about like behaviors, like why people did the things that they did and why people say the things that they say, like, where do these things come from? Why is it, why, why are we different? Why don't everybody think alike? So I was always curious and I, I learned um, in elementary, you know, they start that, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and career yeah. day and, you know, you have, you know, they, they present all these different careers and stuff and, and um, one of my teachers talked about psychology, like the study of the mind and things like that. And I was like, okay, that sounds like something I want to do because I'm curious as to why people do the things that they do and yeah. curious about behaviors in general. And so psychology was my focus up until I got my bachelor's and realized that you live in certain places in the country, you can't do too much with a bachelor's in psychology, yeah. unless you work in human services, you plan on working in human services for the rest of your life. And so I, I switched it up when I, when I um, applied for grad school and decided to go with marriage and family therapy. I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit about what marriage and family therapy is and, and, you know, I know, but the audience needs to know, because as you know, in the counseling world, there's just like this hierarchy of different types of counselors. And so what exactly does marriage and family therapy entail? Mm -hmm. I say in a nutshell, how to break it down. Well, <laughs> in relationships, no person exists in isolation from, you know, their, their environment, like their family. Mm -hmm. So marriage and family therapy, it takes you from looking at the individual to looking at the individual and the family, how they exist in their family, like the, the influences from the family. Because typically what happens if you treat that person in isolation, once they return back to that environment, they return right back to the same behaviors that they were dealing with before. So in order to change that person, you pretty much kind of gotta, gotta change the environment that they're in also. Yeah. So marriage and family therapy, it, it kind of shifts like the, the normal, how everybody sees therapy as just the individual to treating the entire family, the entire system. Yeah, and I think that's, that's what sets us apart from all the other counseling professionals mm -hmm. is because we do focus more on the system mm -hmm. rather than the individual. And so that's kind of where, where we are different. Um, and there, again, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the individual. I think that we just think differently and we are like you figuring out, well, how did this person get here? You know, what's the, the pattern that has been showing up this whole time that nobody noticed? So mm -hmm. that's what makes us a little bit different. But mm -hmm. I kind of want to shift gears a little bit because 2020, like that was a year like no other. And I don't think any of us expected it. We got hit with the most craziest pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I know for me, I was like, all right, we're probably going to be doing this for like 30 days. Here we are almost a year later. Mm -hmm. How has life changed for you since 2020? I am a very hyper kind of person. So I enjoy movement and moving around and not being in one place all the time. So pandemic has definitely taught me how to stay still because I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Definitely taught me how to stay still, but is is I'm talking about parenting now or just like in general. Both. Tell yeah. like how is it, even as a parent, how has it changed? Well, as a parent, I've always been pretty observant of my child and you know, really involved in school and stuff like that, but 
it put me in a, a position to where I have to be, I want to say, kind of overly involved because while we're going through all this mess, the kids are also. Yeah. And, you know, they never had to do school this way. We never had to, but, you know, this is something very new for them, a big adjustment for them. And they're not around their friends. They're not like socializing the way that they were. And it's just, it's a huge adjustment for the kids. So it's taught me to have a lot of patience yeah because although we're going through stuff the kids are are also so you know try not to be too hard on her as far as you know academics go but still you know kind of got to nudge her give her you know healthy kick in the behind to you know get it going so that she doesn't end up failing and yeah. also get something out of the school year because i'm sure there's probably a lot of a lot of schools that are kind of like just passing the kids because they don't want to fail them but you know, just trying to make sure that she's actually learning something and getting something out of the work. Yeah. But it, it, it's definitely trying as a parent, probably just as much as it is to be a kid right now in the world, but it's definitely trying as a parent. Yeah. Do you find yourself having like a newfound appreciation for teachers? Because, you know, for a yes. long time, teachers were getting like a bad rap mm -hmm. for, for it. So now that you are in this virtual learning world, do you find mm -hmm. that you have a newfound respect for teachers? Absolutely. I don't think anyone really acknowledged the role of a teacher and just the whole school and administration all together like what they deal with like your children all day long <laughs> you know they they feed them breakfast they feed them lunch they're teaching them like they deal with them all day long so absolutely i think everyone should have a newfound appreciation for teachers because they do a lot they definitely should be paid a lot more than that because they are definitely a lot more than just teachers they are a lot more than that so yeah. they deserve a lot more recognition and they are probably a lot more money than they make also. But definitely, I, and I'm a very appreciative that my daughter is as old as she is. Yeah. You know, not saying, because I can't help her with chemistry and stuff like that. <laughs> right. You know, but right. just imagining having a grade school child that young, having to teach them. And I mean, you know, my hat goes off to teachers. My hat goes off to parents too. All of them that are involved in their kids' academics as they should be. Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine. I really can't. Like I hear the stories coming from like my my nieces and nephews and my sisters and, and, and all that about the struggle of virtual learning. And even with my clients, like just hearing how stressful it is to be doing virtual learning right now. So how has your child adjusted to virtual learning? Was it easy or was it a lot of struggle? I think being at home, there are way too many distractions for children and kids nowadays, they're overly stimulated. You know, most of them, they have a phone in their hand and they're watching TV, yeah. they're playing PlayStation. These kids are overly stimulated. So to have to be disciplined to sit in front of a laptop and be a part of a virtual classroom, that is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. So my daughter, does she, I would say between now and last school year, now she's kind of getting better with it because I had to explain to her, you know, this is kind of, hopefully it won't be too much longer, but this is kind of what life is like right now. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta find a way to adjust with the times right now so that you graduate on time and that you're actually getting something out of being in school because we can't keep using the excuse, you know, COVID. <laughs> you yeah. got to figure out how to make this work. And 
she's asked, she's definitely picked it up now. She had her time where she just was not like laying in the bed with the laptop next to her. And I'm like, dude, you cannot do school this way. Like you need to get yeah. up. You need to be sitting up, like paying attention, like eat something like it's, it's, it's a lot to structure your day to do schoolwork while you're home. And kids, they already don't have that discipline. They don't really have problem solving yeah. like down and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot of me hovering over her. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned like having to, the kids needing structure, because I know when I was working with kids, a lot of, when they started this virtual learning thing, I found it to be interesting that the ones who were like, I could think of a client now who was battling with ADHD and when they were in school, it was too overly stimulated and now they're home and the distractions are a whole lot less. And it's like, they're excelling. And then, but then I can also think of clients that they're still struggling. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's like, you have to, even though you are an employee and you're a school-based therapist, you also got to kind of be teacher too mm -hmm. <laughs> for your child. Oh yeah. I had a kid a few weeks ago. He tried to get me to help him do his work <laughs> during a Zoom session. He pulled it up on the screen and everything. I'm like, okay, no, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> right. We're here to do therapy. So, yeah, but I definitely have seen the kids that have that struggled a lot socially in school. Yeah. They tend to be doing a lot better now that they're not in the school environment because it's not that pressure of being a part of a peer group and yeah. having friends and things like that, not feeling accepted. So some kids are thriving. Yeah. But some, a lot of kids are not. And I think it's going to be, the parents are going to be in for it when this kind of goes away and the kids have to adjust back to this, the school environment, the five days a week. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause my next question was going to be, do you feel like as a mental health clinician, do you believe or feel like our children are dealing with anxiety a lot more now that they're home versus when they were in school? Or do you feel like it's about the same? Mm -hmm. I don't know, I would say maybe more. And, I, and I, I'm definitely sensing a lot of depression yeah. in a lot of the children also. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely sensing that a lot also. Just like I said, like with, they're not able to socialize with their peers as much. and, and even if they, you know, they're on the phone or FaceTime, that's still not, it's not the same as physical interaction, being able to hang out with your friends at lunch and, you know, during recess and even mm -hmm. working on, you know, schoolwork together and doing projects together. It, it, it's hard. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times I think about our children that are getting ready to graduate. And how like, you know, for us, senior year was the year. It was like, cool, we're going to be smooth sailing. We got prom to look forward to, graduation to look forward to. And all of that completely changed in 2020. And even now, like everything had to be virtual. You started seeing, you know, schools doing like car drive-by graduations. And I can't even imagine spending my senior year in high school or getting, or college feeling like, dang, this is different. Like, I don't get to have those socializations like you were saying. I don't get to dress up and go to prom with my friends and all the things that you look forward to be doing as a senior in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really hard. So the parents, you know, we're dealing with a lot too with having to work and adjusting from going back into the office to working at home and, you know, things like that. But we have to be very compassionate with the children also because, 
it's a lot they're they're in a sense they're losing out on a lot of their childhood right now yeah. going through this so yeah yeah so as a school-based therapist what are some of the struggles you've seen with children a lot of the struggles i've seen is definitely attendance <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely attendance um kids not being in school regularly definitely because of the pandemic you know the hybrid models like the two days a week and but just thinking of some of the struggles that I'm seeing with kids, I would definitely say I, I'm I'm getting a lot more referrals for the kids that are not doing any schoolwork. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely getting a lot more referrals for that. They're not doing any schoolwork, not attending school, and not logging on virtually. And yeah. I know this makes you think of like environmentally, like what are some things that are going on that's contributing to this? You know, a lot of parents like we have a lot of single parent households, you know, where the moms are the are, are the, the caregivers in the home and they're at work, sometimes working yeah. two, three jobs. So it's hard to work and provide for your family and be there at the same time to make sure your kid is up on time, logging into the computer on time yeah. and things like that. So it, it mm-hmm. it's just a lot and it's easy to fall through the cracks at a time like this. So Absolutely. I think more than ever, this is the reason why it's important for parents to have such a solid support system, because when you can't be there, can grandma be there, auntie be there, somebody to be there to make sure your child is getting exactly the type of education they need, even in a virtual setting, you know, even in a virtual setting. And so, yeah, I I agree with that. So what advice do you have for our parents who are listening? Like, how can they help their children that are struggling during this pandemic? I would definitely say trying to maintain or establish as much structure as you possibly can will go a long way with your children. You know, although they are home, they still should be waking up at the same time during the week. They to be to get prepared for their classes. They should be going to bed at the same time. They should still be limiting screen time as, as well because a lot of these kids, they're logging off of classes and they're going right to the TV, right to the phone, right to the PlayStations. And, you know, so just maintain as much structure as you can. It helps kids. Kids do like structure as much as they fight against it. They, they do. They love structure. They do. That's one thing you say all the time, Leah. You know, kids they love do. structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're going to sleep so late and it's not going to help them get up in the morning and be motivated to sit in front of a computer. That's hard enough within itself. So if you're yeah. allowing your child to, to do whatever because they're at home or that's what's easiest because maybe sometimes some parents just don't want to be bothered. They've worked yeah. all day. Yeah, but it's, it's really important to establish and maintain as much structure as you can. And that is going to make it easier for your kids to get back into the school environment once schools open back up and they and there's no more, more virtual, they have to be in, in school five days a week. It'll be easier mm-hmm. to wake them up in the morning to get them on the bus. Like, you know, it'll save you a lot of trouble in the long run with, with having structure in your households. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think even for parents, especially us that are working from home, having structure for our day as well, just continuing that routine. Like I know for me, I have to get up and I have to be like, all right, I'm gonna get up, take a shower, get dressed. Like as I, as if I'm walking out the door to go to to work, right? But I'm going into my little office and I'm getting ready to have my telework day. 
but just having that even for the parents because at some point the pandemic will end at some point we will get some level of normalcy back in our lives and like you said it's just gonna make the life a little bit more easier mm-hmm. if you start doing that now so then when they're like oh it's time for us to all go back to school and we're here five days a week your child ain't dragging <laughs> like I don't want to go yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of them are going to to deal with that, especially the kind of un, the unruly children that have a little bit more influence than than the parents do. Yeah. You know, the, the the outburst and the tantrums like they're they're going to be at an all time high once it's time for them to get up and come to school every day because they're so used to being at home. Who wouldn't want to be at home? You know, all their toys are there, their games are there. They, they can go eat whatever they want that's in the kitchen. Like, who? Why wouldn't they want to be at home? Yeah. So adding, adding structure is gonna do gonna do you guys some justice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, this has been a great episode, Asia. I so appreciate you, sis, for joining us and talking about parenting in this new normal. I am excited for all that you got coming, and so thank you for joining me on this episode, lady. Mm-hmm. No problem. Have me again. I definitely will. <laughs> Wow, what another amazing episode. Shout out to our expert, Asia Brooks, once again, for just coming through and shining the light on some of these mental health struggles that our children are facing during this pandemic. Um, Because it is a new normal, a lot of our children are are struggling. And so thank you once again, Asia Brooks, for coming and just joining us on this episode. And so, of course... It would not be a Hey Queen Thrive episode without my Thriver Nugget, y'all. So I had to come and do that. So for this week's Thriver Nuggets episode, um, in this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, anxiety in our children. And so I want to talk a little bit about the symptoms. So this can help all my parents out there who are listening to really begin to recognize some of the signs and symptoms in our children. And so um, anxiety in our children looks like this. Finding it hard to concentrate, not sleeping or waking up in the middle of the night with bad dreams, not eating properly, um, getting angry or irritable real quickly, um, being out of control during outbursts. So they're not having those typical um, outbursts that you might see in your adolescent children or your young children, but it's more explosive um, and they're out of control constantly worrying or having negative thoughts. Listen, if your child is constantly telling you that something is bothering them and they're constantly worrying about something or they're constantly telling them that they're having negative thoughts, that's a sign that they might be experiencing some form of anxiety and you want to get that checked out. Um, Feeling tense or fidgety, right? Um, if you have a child that is constantly touching something, constantly needing to have something in their hand, I know they have these things called, uh, fidget spinners that they use with a lot of children who have anxiety or suffer from some type of, um, sensory issue, right? So they need some type of something in their hand to touch. Uh, what else? Using the toilet on themselves. If you find that your child is bedwetting, and they're past the age where they should be able to know when they have to get up and go to the bathroom again, they might be experiencing some type of anxiety. So you want to get that checked out. Uh, Always crying. Listen, this is a big one, y'all. And I say that because especially in this pandemic, our children are struggling, right? Life as they knew it 
has drastically changed. So you're going to find that your child might be struggling emotionally. And so if they're crying a lot, it might just be a sign of anxiety. And again, these are some symptoms that if you notice them in your child, you might want to either have the conversation with your child or you want to have the conversation with your child's doctor. Uh, Being clingy. If you find that your child is at the point where they just want to be up under you all the time, it's like mommy don't go, daddy don't go kind of thing. Yeah, they may be dealing with some anxiety. And so you definitely want to um, definitely want to, to talk to them about it, but also talk to their, their doctors about it as well. And then complaining of tummy aches or not feeling well can be a sign and symptom of anxiety. And I think that's a huge one. Because a lot of times with mental health, it um, it shows up in physical symptoms. It shows up in the somatic form, right? So tummy aches, um, body aches, all of those things can mean that there is something emotionally going on with your children. And so, with it, when it comes to anxiety disorder, some of the treatments that have been proven to work with children is, of course, counseling, right? So. You might want to think about, you know, finding a therapist. Um, and I will say this, a culturally competent therapist, especially for my African-American listeners out there and African-American parents, you want to find a culturally competent therapist to work with your child. Um, but also cognitive behavioral therapy has been proven to work with children with anxiety. And then of course, anxiety medication. Now, I will say this as I wrap up my Thriver Nuggets for this week. Let's not be so super spiritual that we don't do the practical things, okay? The Bible says faith without works is dead. That means there's a practical part to your faith. You cannot be so spiritual that you don't do the practical things. And so if you find that your child is experiencing some of these symptoms of anxiety, the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do as a parent is to check in. Now more than ever, your children need you. Now more than ever, your children need you to check in with them. They need to, to have those conversations and create, and I'll say this too, parents, create a safe space for your child. Create a safe space emotionally. Listen, Suicide has recently just became the second leading cause of death in children and adolescents. And the reason for that, I believe in my opinion, is because a lot of our children are struggling emotionally and they don't have a safe space or a safe outlet to let it out. So as a parent, I think that it is important that you create some type of safe space for your child to be able to come to their mother, come to their father and say, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what's going on with me. This is what I need help with. Right. And so that is my thriving nuggets for this week. Anxiety in our children. Again, if you see these symptoms in your child, definitely do a check-in, but more importantly, get your child the help that he or she needs. In 2021, ladies and gentlemen, we have to do away with the stigmas. We have to do away with the black people don't go to therapy. We have to do away with all those things that are doing us more harm than good. Again, there's a practical side to your faith. So make sure you are exercising the practical side to your faith and not just waiting and believing God for a miracle. You have to be willing to do the necessary work to heal. 
And so this concludes the episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Again, I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. Again, we will be back. We will be back in the month of February with some more power-packed episodes. So you don't want to miss this. Love you. Peace.